success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to this invincible one who is making her second appearance with us. I am so happy to have her back. Lauren Huffmaster is a young adult metastatic breast cancer survivor who uses her story to inspire hope. She is the founder of Adventure Therapy Foundation, where she works to bring systematic change to the experience of cancer. Lauren, welcome. It's so great to have you with us again. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this. I feel like it's been almost, you know, exactly a year since you were with us. And it's been such a whirlwind. You've had so many things going on. I've been watching you from afar, of course, cheering you on and in awe of just all that is happening with you and what you're working on and just the evolving of it all. So let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Well, I started with the bad, something bad. Of course, no one wants to be told they have cancer. Absolutely no one wants to know that they have a terminal disease. So I began there in a really low point, but I decided that if I was going to live with a terminal disease, I had to make something meaningful out of it. I couldn't allow my children to grow up with this idea that when bad things happen, they can define you. So I began immediately turning my story around using this terrible situation to bring change, to bring support, to to bring love to other people. And that is where I began. That's how I've gotten here. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew I had to do something. And so every single day I wake up and I do something. It may not always be the right thing, but it's something. And I'm trying hard to go in in a direction that brings change for the good for others. Oh, I love that. And, you know, that's one of the things I love about what you're doing is you're taking your own experience and you're making a better experience for others that are coming on along with you or behind you after you. And I think that's amazing because what better support can you get from anyone other than someone who is walking through the same thing, right? We always want to know when when someone is reaching a handout that they understand. And I feel like you are that person who understands so much about cancer, about fighting it, about living with it, about thriving in it, right? In spite of it. And I just love that so much about you. So what makes you invincible? 
I was going to say, I think that it's not ironic, but it is just a testimony that anyone can be invincible because my diagnosis should be saying that I'm actually not invincible, but instead my decisions and my mindset that I choose every day is what moves me towards something that's more legacy focused, that will never be broken, that will never be lost. And so actually my story shows how even people who are currently terminal can become an invincible force in the world and bring good things. So yeah, I think my, what makes me invincible is just my decisions every day to do something. I love that. And oh my gosh, you just struck a chord when you said about your legacy. Yeah. And that is so right. So even if for even anyone, right, when you're long gone from this earth and on to the next place, your legacy will never die. It will never quit. It will never stop. It will continue generation after generation. And that is so huge. So huge. And I have to tell you, <laughs> I probably shouldn't even be saying this right now, but I have a podcast student and her podcast, it hasn't even launched yet, but it's all about living your legacy. And when you said that, the bells just went off because um, that we've been like, working hard on that for the last three weeks. And you said that and everything went off on me. So if you saw the look on my face, you'd know, but that is, that is such an epiphany. What a realization that like, you know, you could take away everything else, but you'll never take away that. All right. Wow. So you're talking about mindset and how you get to make those decisions every day. And that makes you invincible. And I love that because that's our topic today is the mindset shifts in. I mean, come on now, right? We're shifting constantly every hour, every day. Uh, the mindset shifts in times of disappointment, fear, and difficulty. So let's dive in. I don't know anybody who knows this more than you do. Let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think if you hear the word cancer, whether you've been diagnosed or know anyone who's been diagnosed, it just sets off a fear reaction inside of you. We've been trained to be afraid of cancer. And so when you are diagnosed, when you actually get that worst case scenario showing up in your life, all of those fear things that you've been taught through your life emerge and they all of a sudden define you. And this is just a natural reaction. It's not something we have to live in. It's not something we have to embrace and say, you're right, I am. I should be afraid. It really comes down to what we choose to believe, what we choose to lean into and embrace in life. And so when I talk about mindset shifts, I, I, it's not just for people with cancer. It's really about this entire, the culture we have of fear that there's, of course, so much uncertainty in life. But as a culture, we must separate what is uncertain from the emotion of fear. We will never be able to create certainty in every aspect of our days and every aspect of our children's days or anything. But uncertainty will be present. But fear does not have to be. We can control how we respond. We can control our emotions around situations. And separating fear and uncertainty is what creates the opportunity for us to shift our mindsets and, and believe something different. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you're saying here. And I, you brought up children. And so this is a big thing. And that, like, so last time we were together, your kids were a year younger, right? They're a year older. Let's talk a little bit about that because there's many 
women and families with children that are facing that. So what kind of advice do you, you know, is what's working for you? What kind of things can you share with others that might be facing this uh, and how you're dealing with this with your children? You know, what are you doing different that you think maybe you would do differently if this wasn't the case? Well, this year, I am fortunate to now have a teenager in my home. So this is a lovely opportunity for me to grow and learn. But when it comes to cancer or any difficult situation, it's important for us to be honest. And that's the greatest gift we can give to our children. Whether, wh- whether it's divorce or cancer or any kind of hurt in your family life, as a parent, sometimes it's natural to want to hold back anything that's happening because our job as parents is to not hurt our children. But then all of a sudden you have something in your life that might hurt them. And so sometimes our natural reaction is just to hold back, to not give them the whole truth, to not let them be a part of that story in your life. But when we do pull back, we cut them off from that part of our family, from our life. And as we move forward in life, that story is going to keep being a part of us. And they're going to realize that they are not allowed into a piece of who you are. And that wall that you've created, those boundaries actually become a separation between us and our children. So in my life, in all aspects of my life, I'm very honest with my children. My kids are little, so I don't like tell them the prognosis and all the science and all that stuff. But I answer their questions honestly. Whenever I have a big scan or a doctor's appointment, I come home and I'm as honest as possible with with them. I think it's very important for them to trust me and see that I trust them as we move through this as a family, because cancer is not just about me as a patient. It's about everyone who loves me. It's about the co-survivors who live in this home and how we handle it together. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And is there any do's or don'ts? Like definitely do this, but this will never work. (laughs) Bad idea. Do you have anything like that you can share when, when it comes to the communication with the children and things like that? Yeah, I think um, when we communicate with kids, letting them be decision makers on how we respond as a family. I've seen parents say like, well, now that this is happening, we're all going to move in this direction. And the kids are like, why? And are there other options? And can we talk about that? And I think that the children are experiencing even more uncertainty than we are because they, A, are don't know as much about cancer or the negative situation. And they're also processing the the option of maybe losing a parent or having a separation from a parent. So it's a double amount of uncertainty in a very smaller child's brain, a lot less wisdom, right? And so I think allowing them to engage in the process of change is important. Um, And when we cut them off, it just creates more uncertainty. It allows their imagination to sort of sort out what might be happening or might happen in the future rather than allowing them to be a part of what we do know and really setting those boundaries like this is what we don't know and we can't control and this is what we do know and that just gives them space a safe space to live in even if it doesn't feel good it's still a safe space oh that's so good so good so what would you say, I, I'd like, I'm sure there's ups and downs of this, you know, every day is different. What would you say keeps you on track? Like with this mindset thing that you talk about, what, what are some of the things that you do that like help you to navigate those waves of emotion and information and all those things? 
as they come. Definitely. When when we are going through cancer, scanxiety is something everyone talks about because scans remind us of the first time we received that bad news, that initial trauma. And so scanxiety really sets off a trigger of a week long, a month long, sometimes a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear in the cancer experience. Even if you've been out of treatment for years and years, it's very normal for you to have fear well up in you around that about around that scan date. But again, it's not about really even the moment you're in now. It, it might be about the, the idea of a future reoccurrence, but it has more to do with the, the lack of healing that's taken place over that initial trauma. And so that's why I think it's very important for all of us to know there are emotional side effects of cancer. These are normal. They're typical. We all experience them. And so the only way that we can move forward is to allow ourselves the space to heal properly. We need to, to give ourselves permission to heal from the impact, from the trauma of cancer. And then over time, the new rhythms that do, don't involve cancer will heal us um, from that trauma. For example, I was diagnosed two times around Christmas. And so the holiday season is the worst for me. It has all every rhythm that should be giving me joy and excitement reminds me of how I was trying to tell people the terrible news during that season and reminds me of how it felt to be carrying this new burden while everyone else was happy. And, and so the season can really bring up a rhythm of pain and hurt and even isolation for me. But it's important for me to remember what my story is today. My story today is not what it was five or seven years ago. And today, even if I feel that weight from the seven year ago and the five year ago um, diagnosis, today my story is different. And if I can be real present with that and just sit in that and, and try to just be thankful for where I am, then I can move forward better. I love that. Oh my gosh. Gratitude, right? Always the mm -hmm. answer to shift into gratitude, be thankful. And so I guess you're living in the present a lot, right? With, with that mentality is that you're trying to live in the present moment. Definitely. Definitely. I try to live in the present. I try to be a part of a lot of people's stories, but still be very mindful of what my story is and then look to the future and see what can be changed, what I can do to bring a different future for other people. I love that. And and you're right. You're you are in a lot of people's stories and they're doing so many great things to support so many people in this world of cancer and you know this part where where people gather, right? It becomes its own community. Definitely not the one you sign up for, but you know we we end up sometimes there and that's that's tough, but I just love how you have just turned it all around. And I love that. You know, I have known people who've gotten a diagnosis and they're like, they might as well be gone because they kind of gave up on life. Like they're just waiting until it's over. And then I see you and, I, and I'm like, this girl, she is going to be on empty. She is running it out, running your race and making a difference and such a huge impact. And I admire that about you so much. And so- Let's talk more about that. So you have um, uh, some programs, right, that are going on now, the therisefound.org. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this year, so from last year, I've, I've launched some new programs through my nonprofit, and one of them is a cancer coaching program. Now, not many people know about cancer coaching, 
but it's really about helping you find a mindset that works for you and helping you stay in that new mindset. So letting go of those fears and those anxieties and moving towards something that really builds you up. So cancer coaching is about that. It's not therapy. We're not doing herbal supplements or things. It's really about your mindset, your emotions. And so I, my personal goal is to establish a typical response to cancer when it comes to your emotional health. That has never been done before, as far as I can tell. There are not tools out there to define what it feels like to go through the trauma of cancer. And so risefound.org is our virtual cancel cancer coaching program. It's free. It's available to everyone. So it's equitable and everyone can access it if you just have the internet. And on there, I go through my philosophy. These are normal things people experience. And then I've invited lots of friends who have taken their story and made something important for others out of that story. So everyone here is a cancer survivor or patient. Everyone here is passionate about something, has really pursued that thing. And they're here to give you their 10 minutes of wisdom on that topic. So it's a great place to find resources, um, a great place to be encouraged. I, I believe with all my heart that there are gifts in cancer this opportunities in cancer that you probably would never have experienced beyond before that diagnosis. And so there's a place in here where you can listen to stories where people define their gifts of cancer. What is that beautiful thing they found along the way? And I think this platform is just a great way to help encourage people, help you feel known and heard through the stories of others. I love that, Lauren. I love that. And it's, it's entirely digital. Yes. So people can just tap into it wherever they are. So if you're listening right now, just click the show notes and it'll take you right to that platform where you can look at the digital uh, courses and everything. And as Lauren mentioned, they're free, which I think is amazing. So, and you know, that leads me to your foundation, Adventure Therapy. So, you know, that is so near and dear to my heart. Uh, and so I'm always looking to support that any way I can. I love that it's so inclusive uh, that, you know, it's for anyone, any gender, any kind of cancer. Um, and so, you know, that's why, of course, we we have a sponsorship ad for you uh, because we want our listeners to know that the, we are endorsing this. And if you're going to contribute to anything, we'd love for them to contribute to you. And so uh, halfway through, right before we get to the good, the bad and the ugly, they're going to hear your ad today, which is so much fun for me because, you know, we put that on after you were on the last, you know, before. And so you haven't actually had an episode with it. So I'm thrilled. But let's also talk like, I, I mean, now you're in commercials. Oh, my gosh. Like, talk about impact and making a difference. So tell us a little bit about how you landed on national television and where people can can find these commercials. Yes. Yeah, so it's a funny story. Actually, my dad said, Lauren, you are doing so well in this med. You're making a difference in the world. You should be somebody's poster child. And I said, dad, I'm sure there are other people who are poster children for whoever. And, and actually, so I just emailed the um, marketing department from the medication I'm on that I've been very, very successful, atypically successful on this medication. And I said, listen, I'm doing a lot of good. I'm doing a great job on your met. Your met is doing a great job for me. I'd be willing to be essentially your poster child. And they said, when can we come see you? I was like, oh, it was pretty easy. 
So yeah, last year they came, they filmed me and my family for a few days. And this year, just in September, they've launched a national campaign. We will be, you'll see me on TV, I think after The Voice, on after CNN, after The Bachelorette. Um, and also there, there's going to be a wrap on People's Magazine in every hospital and cancer center across the country with my picture on the front. Their billboards. There's a lot of things going on with my face that I didn't exactly process. All of this is going to play out when when we agreed to meet with them last year. But but it's exciting. And I'm. They took three days of filming me all day long, and they came down to one word, and that was hope. And I am so thankful for that. I don't know that I would have pulled that from my own story, although. I named my middle daughter Hope. So maybe it has always been a part of who I am even before cancer. But but now, yes, this word hope is going to define me, I think, moving forward. And that is really what I want us to live by. I want us to live in hope, not live in fear. And um, And hope is a very, it's just as easy to grasp as fear is. I think we have more practice taking hold of fear, but we should start practicing taking hold of hope and living out that and seeing where that takes us. Oh, I love it. I love that so much. And, you know, you are the best poster child because you are really just you are you're not letting it stop you. You are pushing forward and you are creating amazing impact for others and and just serving your family the way you do and those around you. And you're just totally on a mission to change the way that cancer shows up in the world and in people's lives and families. And I just love that about you. This is just amazing. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. You can find out more about my foundation at adventuretherapyfoundation.org. Um, from there, you can find a link or you can go directly to the cancer coaching webpage, which is risefound.org. And if you want to know more about my story, my passion projects, you can go to laurenhuffmaster.com. Ah, uh, I love that. And that takes me right into this passion project. So I know I've been following you and I know when we saw each other in the spring, you told me all about this adventure you were about to embark on. And then I had the privilege of just following you and your wisdom. And so I thought it would be a great idea to tell our listeners what you did. So let's start with you walk the Camino, right? So I sure did. Uh, so this summer, yeah, I walked yeah. the Camino de Santiago and I walked the Primitivo Trail, which is happens to be one of the most difficult trails. It's a 200 mile trek through the mountains. It's very primitive, very isolated. You're walking this trail. You may not see another soul all day, but um, it's such a significant moment to be there because this trail has um, started 1200 years ago with the King of Spain walked this trail to go and see the bones of St. James for the first time. And people have walked this trail ever since. Today, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think over a thousand pilgrims, and it's probably a lot bigger than that, but show up every day at the end of this pilgrimage. You can walk past from every angle in, in Europe. There's lots of different paths you can get, but they all end up in Santiago and thousands of people show up every day of the year um, because of the meaningful history and religion and self-awareness and so much that comes from you from walking this path. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about a few of the lessons you learned on the Camino because such wisdom you were posting. And so give, let's give them a little glimpse of like 
What was that like? Give us some details. For sure. One thing I think I would like to point out is going back to this idea of fear and uncertainty. One thing I learned because I had to carry everything I needed on my back every day. And when I left home, I took only what I thought I could, what I absolutely needed. And then once I got there, I took things out every day. There was like things I definitely did not need, did not need to carry. And it just reminded me in life how there are things we feel like we just have to have certainty on. There are things we feel like we have to know or or we have to carry for others. And when reality, those things are wearing us down. We don't need but what we need in this moment, in this day, we don't need to be prepared for next year or the year after that. And all of those burdens of future years are actually stealing the beauty from today. So on the trail, there are days I felt like I had to have real clear certainty on where I was going and how far it was and all of these things and then track it. But really, I didn't. I just needed to get up and walk and I was going to arrive when I arrived. But the idea of processing and trying to know things, know for certain where I was and where I was going actually stole the peace and the beauty and the song of the birds every day, every step. And so over the course of the weeks that I walked, I stopped caring. I stopped, stopped trying to get the certainty and just felt sure that I was exactly where I needed to be in exactly the right time. And that's all I needed to know. And that was such a burden lifted. It was, it was something I was carrying all this data and information that really just wore me out. And I think this is a great lesson for life that we don't have to be on everybody's path, right? We don't have to be like, a, a just have the information from every news story and every Facebook story. Really, we need to know where we are and know that we're on the right moment for us and be present in that moment and just walk that out. Yeah. And that uh, boy, you really have to give up a lot of control, don't you? Because I remember, you know, you saying like you didn't really know where you were going to sleep. You didn't know where you were going to eat. You just you just walked. Right. That was your job. Just keep walking, which is just crazy. And then tell them the story about how you were saying about your clothes, like you had your different clothes, because that that just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. So the other the other idea that I had was that. You don't have to make any decisions on the Camino. I carried three outfits every day. One was dirty, one I was wearing, and one was wet because I washed it the night before. So every day there were no decisions to be made. All I had to do is put on the only dry outfit, dry clean outfit I had, wake up, take the food that was really handed to me and get on the trail and walk. And I walked until I was tired and I'd stop and do the whole thing over again the next day. And over the course of a few days, I realized just how tired my brain has been from making decisions all the time from when you open your phone, there's apps and then there's decisions about where you're going in the apps and what stories you're going to respond to. And all of these things really, really dull our brain. And when our brain is tired, we can't really feel the emotional impact of life very well. So when I was on the Camino for a few days, my brain relaxed. It literally felt like if you sat on the beach and all of a sudden you go like, oh, and you just melt into that. My brain felt like that. My body was working. We were walking. My body might have been tired, but my brain was so happy and quiet and just at peace. And then all of the emotions of life bubbled up in me and I could feel joy. I could feel sadness if I thought of someone and I could feel all the love things in such a huge way that I just couldn't feel at home. And I think it's because we have this decision fatigue happening all the time. All of these pressures that we carry um, that may or may not be necessary in the moments. 
And so since I've been home, I'm really trying again to be present and, and not worry about tomorrow, not worry about even tonight if possible, but just really be present where I am with the people I'm with and let that be all I need. That's what I was going to ask you is how have you brought those lessons back? Because you had to come home and, and you re-entered this world with kids and, you know, a house and all the things, right? So, so tell me how, what is that different? Like you just mentioned the one thing, but what else is different about that? Yeah, I thought I would come home and sort of be like overwhelmed and like irritated and, you know, the kind of thing I've been alone by myself with just the birds and the trees for weeks. And I was so happy, you know, but, but really when I came home, I was so thankful. I was thankful for my children. I was thankful for how they're growing. And even when they bicker, it's just because they're trying to figure things out. And I was thankful for my husband and just thankful for all that I had here. And, uh, and that was not what I was expecting to come home to. And I was very emotionally raw just because I could still feel the, the huge emotions and, and I could actually experience them with my family. And so it was actually not easy to come home because I think I was so raw. I was so, I don't know, cleaned and, and unburdened for a moment. And, and I just felt so thankful for everything. And so that was, that was a really nice gift. It wasn't easy. I will tell you that it wasn't easy, but it was beautiful. Were there days that you think that you thought you couldn't keep walking? Like, did you get like, cause as you say, this decision fatigue. So when that was lifted, do you feel that that gave you more physical energy to be able to go that long duration? Like how did the, how did that show up for you? Yeah. Your body is like designed to walk. So it only took a couple of days before my calves were shaping up and I wasn't tired at the end of the day, but yeah, there was definitely a day. There was a heat wave when I was on the, on the walk, there were no trees that day. And I almost gave up. I dropped my bag and was like, I can't do another step. I've run out of water. I, I don't, I can't. And, um, and this is the beautiful thing about the Camino, the Camino, they say the Camino always provides and I sort of dropped my bag and walked away. It was like, I just can't. And I walked like, I don't know, 10 yards. And I got off the Camino and went in a different direction, looking for a house to like give me water. And a car picked me up and said, where are you going? Where are you going? Because everyone there knows where you should be and they want you to be safe. So I was like, I need water. And he was like talking to me, but I couldn't understand him. And he was like, just get in the car. So I got in the car because I just didn't care at this point. And uh, he drove me back to the Camino, except for like five feet farther around the corner and five feet farther around the corner. There's this huge old pool of clean water. The water is pouring in. It's freezing cold. Um, it's not just like a spring where you get water, but there was like a pool with like all of these old aqueducts behind, beside it. And I was like, the Camino always provides. I was ready to like lay it all down, walk away from this dream because I was hot and exhausted. And if I just taken a few more steps forward, everything I needed was right there waiting for me. And I laid beside that pool. I wet my head. I wet everything. I, I just sat in the water until I was absolutely just cold now. And I just so thankful because life can get hard, you know, and even when you're doing something you're passionate about, sometimes you run out of resources, you run out of direction, you run out of something for a moment and for a moment you want to give up but i think that if we can just keep walking just a few more steps we'll find everything we need is just around the corner we just have to keep trying um even when it's really hard and that's definitely what i experienced on the camino 
Oh, Lauren, that is such a such an amazing story. So I have this question because this goes back to mindset as well. So how many days would you say it took till you were finally ready to just release and surrender? So those first couple of days, you, you were saying like each day you were like letting go of things that you were like, I don't need this. I don't need this. At what point did your mind just become free? How many days did that take? I think probably four. I, it was before the halfway point, but on day four, your body is really strengthened and it can carry it. You don't even feel the weight of your pack anymore. Your mind has really let go of all the control pieces because there's nothing to control. Even if you're trying, your mind's still like out of habit trying to control, but there's nothing you can be done. So I think after day four or so, you just say, this is what it is. And we're just going to let it everything go. We're going to be strong enough. It's, you've already proven yourself on a few hard days. And that helps too, because at the beginning, you don't really know if you can walk 16 miles a day, every day, forever. And so I think after day four, you're like, okay, I can do this. And I know what it feels like. And it's okay. And I'm just going to keep going. And so once you do that a few times and you feel that confidence and you feel your body shifting, then I think you can let go of that control. I love that. So I, and you know, that's like, it's to me, it seems like it was, a, uh, there was a time where you were just able to hit this reset button, right? And like, just give into it and surrender and just go. And I love that because four days is not a lot of time, right? So people think like, oh, how am I ever going to get through something, right? Or get, stop thinking a certain way or shift into this more positive, you know, intentional way of decision-making, living, you know, whatever it is. And you're saying like, if you could just get through four days of that, that after that, you're okay. So, and then how long did it take you to like come back after you got home? Like to, you know, cause now you were like just you and your three outfits, right? So like, were you still feeling like I could live without all this stuff or like, where are you now with that? How has it made you different? Yeah. When I came home, I was like, I could live for three outfits for the rest of my life. I will give me the, give me the opportunity. I'll get back on a plane and live on the Camino, except for my children made me promise I wouldn't do that. So <laughs> I definitely felt free, right? I, I can, I am strong. I can live in and breathe and, and enjoy life and that, and just live in that. Um, and so I still have a sense of that, like in any moment I could just throw everything away and just still be okay. Um, but, but it did, wasn't quite a process coming back because I had allowed myself to become so sort of raw and open and like nothing protecting me, nothing, no backup plans. And then you step into life here, um, managing the schedules for three busy girls and the expectations of husband and all the things. And all of a sudden it's like, it's forced upon you all. You have to live in this system. You have to live in these, um, structures so that, Everyone can thrive. It's not just about me. Things are always easier when it's just about you. But when you're carrying a bigger load, you have to have structures. And and it was hard because you had, I pushed against that for a while. I, I didn't want to be under that, but um, it is what's best for my family, especially with this, with my children at this age. So um, I, it did take a long time for me to feel comfortable with that again, but, but it was, it was good. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was just, it was hard. It was hard, but it's still good. Yeah. And different, right? So, mm -hmm. so and different doesn't have to be good or bad. It's just different. Yeah. I love that. And how many days did you walk 16 miles a day? How many days? About, about 14 days of walking. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, 
And would you do it again? Oh yeah, tomorrow. Today really? actually, if you got me playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have every it. intention. Yeah. You eat when you go, you either say, Done, I never want to do that again, or you're you're hooked. And I am definitely hooked. I mean, I named my nonprofit Adventure Therapy. So, you know, I want to walk this out. It was both adventure and it was therapy. And I would do it any minute of the day for another two weeks or a month if that if I had the opportunity. Oh, Lauren, that is such an amazing thing. And you're setting such a good example and sell, just really putting this message out to the world, right? I, and I love that. I just love that. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you wanna come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're gonna have experts there that are gonna be sharing they're genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend. And it is on Zoom, so super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment we can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. Well, this has been amazing. And, you know, we promise our listeners here that we're going to bring them fierce females, right? And we're going to share all the things. And you have shared so much just now about mindset and about how to handle difficult situations and navigate the waves that come with, you know, disease and family and children and responsibilities. Um, but, you know, 
We also promise our listeners that we're going to pull back the curtain, that we're not just going to show them all the good stuff, but we're going to show them the authentic truth of the good, the bad, and the ugly of the journeys that we take. And so I would love to dive into that right now. And the last time you were with us, and I loved that we had Clifton with us too, your husband. And I want to tell our listeners, go back and listen to that episode as well, because that one was act so, so authentic uh, as a couple navigating a disease and a family and a foundation and a PhD. I mean, guys, you got to listen. But today we have Lauren all by herself. And so I would love to share uh, so just one story from each, the good, the bad and the ugly. So I know we really just talked a lot about the Camino, but and even if that's a repeat, it's fine. But tell us a story about the good or the greatest part of your journey over this last year. Well, I was going to tell you the good from just this week, because I do think it sums up the good and the bad. Um, this week, a family we served, um, she, she, the daughter is four years old and she has been in treatment for over a year and her and her mom have mostly had to live at the hospital for this whole year. And this so it was her last treatment last week and we set up the the region has a pink uh fire truck and so we had a parade for her going to her last treatment um in a huge pink fire truck and there's a picture of her this tiny little four-year-old sitting in the front seat of this huge truck with like the headset on where she's commanding all these people and all these things and that picture just stands out to me so much because She's tiny and yet she's so strong. She doesn't even know how she's moved the hearts and the lives of the people in her in her world um, over this last year and how they will watch her and she'll be able to direct people because of her resilience and how she's laughed and played through this whole thing. And, and it was just so beautiful. And we also had a parade for her coming home from the hospital because it's celebrations are important in life. And, um, and she had a huge police escort just for as far as you could see, there are police officers, um, and p police officers line up around her house celebrating her. And it was just so important to be a part of that. My husband's a police officer, so he set it all up for her and just for us to be able to honor that family and the hard things they've done and acknowledge that the heart is behind them as of this moment and beautiful, big parade like things are in their future. And I just love being being that person that can bring that forward and just acknowledge it for the the strength that it truly is. I love that. And you know, I I saw the picture of the little girl with the police officers behind her. They were lined up and I didn't know the whole story, but it was so impactful and powerful to me. And I didn't realize that she was only four and I didn't know the story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's on your Facebook group, right? Exactly. So yeah. you have that. Is that the Adventure Therapy Facebook group? Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. I love it. That was so beautiful. And leave it to Clifton, right, to arrange that. You guys are so amazing at facilitating magical, magical experiences for people and just taking yourselves out of the picture and shining the light on others. That is so sweet. And, you know, of course, we wish her all the best in her healing of her body and getting back to some kind of normal life. But wow, what a, what a thing to be an honor to be able to do that. Um, 
And I'm sure those big burly police officers were melting, right? Because oh, yeah. yes, right? I mean, you, we we know the truth, right? With these men. And uh, and I know, you know, as tough as they look with their guns at their sides, that in their hearts, they're just dying when they see things like this. And it's such a gift to be able to, to really um, make a difference in someone's life at a time such as that. Wow. I, gosh, let's top that, right? Oh, my goodness. So, okay, so we'll save the ugly for last, but let's tell a story about the bad. So what, what's been a bad part of this journey this year? Yeah, so because I am terminal, I mean, a stage four diagnosis is a terminal diagnosis. A lot of my friends are terminal and have stage four cancer as well, because I'm very intentional about stepping into those hard moments when everyone else doesn't really know what to do. I don't know what to do either. I'll tell you that, like, if I step into a really hard moment, words don't come from me either, but I'm just not willing to let that person go through it alone. But um, last week, actually, on the exact same day, the um, the four-year-old was leaving the hospital for the last time. A friend of mine passed away, and her kids were the same age of my kids. We were diagnosed stage four in the same season. And so it was so hard because one family was getting back their family. They're coming together for the first time in a year, and the other family, the kids were waking up with no mom. And a hard part of my job that the hardest yuckiest part of my job is, is being a part of people's lives when they are passing away. Um, because cancer isn't cured yet. I am full of hope and I believe cures are coming, but as of today, women are still passing away. They're still dying. And so that is the most painful part. Um, I just spoke at a conference in New Jersey. It was called Stage for Change. And the, the husbands and the and the women get up and talk about their funerals, the, the wives' funerals. And the women are talking about the fact there's no treatments left for them. And these are really heavy, heavy burdens to walk home with. And I want to be there for these every person that needs someone to stand with them. And I want to, to listen to their story because they need to tell it to someone. And I am already broken in these areas. I already feel that hurt and I've already healed from it. So their burdens aren't a new burden to me. I've already figured out how to carry that, but it doesn't mean it's not hard to sit and just relive it over and over, but it is a place that I choose to be. I want to be there because I don't want them to be alone. There's nothing worse than being isolated and being alone in such difficult situations. And so living through caring so many people that I want to love and I want to be there with, but also then living my story and not letting their story become my story, not letting the guilt that I'm still here and she's not to become my story, just to really be present for my children, to be present in my own story, but just continue to have my hand and everyone else's as well. That is very difficult to do. And, um, and it's painful and it's exhausting, but it's also very, it's just important. It, it's meaningful as well. And it helps me to know that I've done everything I can. Adventure therapy is an amazing opportunity for me because when someone does pass away, I know I've spent years investing in these people's lives. Everything that's popped up that they've needed, I found a solution in the best way I could. And so that is a solace to me, right? That 
we are doing good. Like we, if you want to be the good in the world, you have to get out there and get your hands dirty. And we're doing that. And so when they do pass away, I'm often the first person they're calling saying, can I have those pictures that you've taken family photos for the last four years? Can I have them all? Mm. You know, can you be here for my kids in the next Christmas so that we can recreate what last Christmas looked like? Things like that. I'm the one that they call because we have been present in their life for years. And, and that is the work that I'm doing. And, you know, as difficult as it is, do you feel like it's a gift in the sense to you to be able to do that, to give them a gift? Yeah, it's a treasure. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good, like a good gift. <laughs> it, it feels right. like like, yeah. gold, like a treasure that I get to carry that I know that I've been where other people can't go, but it doesn't always feel good, especially I'm still super raw and there's so much that's happened in the last few weeks, but Um, but it is a treasure to know I have, I don't live with regrets. I lean into these hard moments. Um, and I, I don't have to go through life thinking that no one was there for them and wondering how, if I could have done better, I know that I've done everything I can. And that is a gift that that piece there. Yeah. That's what I think. I think like, it's a gift that you're able to give them. And that is amazing. And I love what you're saying about treasure because it is, and it's, there's this place that helps you feel better too, right? When you can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. I love that. Lauren, you're amazing. You are invincible. So we got to talk about the ugly, <laughs> right? And so I know it's it's been hard. It's been a journey for you, right? These last few months have been nonstop from the Camino to coming back to dealing with these things. So tell us a story about the ugly part of this journey. Well, I would say the true ugly part is just my chaos. I I create a lot of chaos in life um, because I have so many things I want to do. I have my, my, I am very futuristic vision oriented. And so whenever I have a new idea, I'm just like, yes, we're doing that now. Like, why would we wait one more second? And so sometimes the ugly of that is that I have so many projects, so many things I'm trying to do. I'm I'm desperate for funding to do this new thing that is so like, I see as soon as I see it, I have to make it a reality. I have to pursue it. I can't, I just can't not. And so finding the funding sometimes in the very last second before the thing launches or a gift is given away to a family. Um, but yes, my, my house is an ugly mess. (laughs) My (laughs) office and my desk is definitely an ugly mess. Sometimes, uh, adventure therapies, finances can look like an ugly mess because I'm just hard pressed. I have such an urgency, um, not because I think I'm going to die, but just because there's so much good to do and I want to live really fully. And I don't always have time to clean my house in between. Um, and I don't always have time to stop and ask permission. You know, I just do it because it's important and it has to be done. And so, yes, I do sometimes leave awake. I'm getting a better team around me. So I leave less of a mess, or at least they predict my mess a little better. Um, but I, that would be a a side effect of me. (laughs) (laughs) I could see running from project to project, like, Oh, we got to do this now. Right. Yeah. I could see how that could happen. And I love what you said. Like there's this urgency, not because of life or death, but because there's so much you want to do. Like, you know, like even for me, I've never had a diagnosis, but I have the sense of urgency to live my best life right now and do all the things that I always wanted to do. 
And because we don't know, right? Life promises nothing. We don't, that doesn't promise us another day, whether we're warned about it ahead of time or we're not, right? And so I, I love that you're doing that because you're not waiting for anything. And when I work with people and, and they're not, if they're not doing things that, you know, that, that are like the next best steps, I'll say, what are you saving yourself for? Right? Like what? Seriously, what are you saving yourself for? And I love you're not saving yourself for anything. You are running around like there's a fire drill and you've got a list of things and you are at it. And I love that so much. And I think I would love to encourage others to live that same way with passion to want to make an impact in the world in a positive way. And I mean, the example you're showing your family is just unheard of, right? Like the what those kids and your husband too are watching you do is that is priceless. What a gift you're giving them watching you do you just step into all these great things, making this huge impact, creating this amazing legacy. Like, Oh my gosh, Lauren, you are literally invincible. And I love that. Thank you. Do you have any final words for our listeners today? Any quick word of advice? Anything? Keep going. I think, again, at the beginning, I said that the, what makes me invincible is that I just every day do one more thing. And I have definitely wanted to take flying leaps into success. And that has not worked out for me. I have to take baby steps. And every day I just point my toes in what I think is the right direction. And I keep going. And I hope that one day all of it will add up and there will be huge impact. I don't even care if I'm here to see it. I just want it present in the world. Um, and I want to know that every day I pointed my toes forward and I kept going. So that's what I would recommend. I love that. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. You got to channel that inner Lauren Huffmaster right now. And I mean, think about this story and put one foot in front of the other and just get back up. Tell them, Lauren. Do it. You, you can do it. You have to. You have to point your thoughts in a different direction when you do that, when you can just see anything else but what you're afraid of and point your thoughts in any other direction, then you can take one step in that new direction. And over time, your trajectory goes in a completely different point. You, you know, one moment you're pointing towards fear and you just point your toes slightly in a different direction. Your trajectory goes from east to west. And so tiny steps, you know, tiny things that you believe that are different. Stop believing in fear. Fear is a lie. There's nothing there for you. Believe something different for yourself and keep going. Oh my gosh. That's it. Mic drop. Get back up, girl. Get back up. You can do anything. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.